0: It's your three favorite cows thriving on the East Coast, figuring it out and always doing the most. We've got our ups and downs at the end of the day. Don't forget, diet starts Monday. here <laughs> happy oh monday happy monday everyone out there welcome back that was i know what you're thinking you thought that was a robot from the future oh, but, but actually a robot.
1: <laughs> a, robot. <laughs> a robot a robot a robot
0: a robot but we are not we like we are not in the year 30 18 almost 30 19. we're in the year 2018 right here with you so, with that being said, uh, welcome back so to Diet Starts Monday. Right <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you told me to do this, so I'm just giving the people what they want. And by the people, I mean myself. Uh, hey. So, hey. welcome back. Yeah, it's been a minute since we've done, like, an official episode. Episode. We had a little hiatus for turkey. Um, but True. I'm excited How was to be everyone's back.
1: everyone's Thanksgiving? Vegetarian.
0: Um, yay! Oh, what, yeah. what was the best veggie that you ate, Aj? <laughs>
2: Um, macaroni and cheese yes <laughs> no my mom oh my mom put her foot in the sweet potatoes this year it was Oh, Lisa mm. go Lisa go Lisa but yeah um, shout out to Lisa I was it's so funny because every year I well not every year this is my third Thanksgiving I guess being without the meats but I still help cook the meats um which is funny because I'm just like I'm not even gonna eat this but
0: It's cool. That's okay. That means you're truly just doing it for the loved ones. So you're just a very gracious person.
2: For for the meat-eating fam.
0: What about you? Maya, how was your Thanksgiving's?
1: My Thanksgiving was really good. Thanksgiving is always done at my parental's home. So, you know, it was chaotic. I made mashed potatoes from scratch for the first time in my American life, which was... A lot, you know, there is a lot of mashing involved and peeling and cutting and it was exhausting, but we make it from the box. We are immigrants. (laughs) (laughs) I feel you. Okay. Yeah. Like,
0: well, that's exciting. It was
1: exciting. It was also a lot, but they were good. They were well received. So hopefully I I think I have to do it next year, which is going to suck. But here's to accidentally starting traditions
0: yay um mine was good this was like the first thanksgiving i was not in my family home for like the first time i think besides the one time that i was like studying abroad um so bougie yay um but no it was cool all of my roommates were also here so we cooked together and that was really really fun we fried a turkey which i've never done um shout out to bay for having like A turkey fryer um peanut oil is really cool guys if you didn't know that's why carnivals smell great um i enjoyed it so (laughs) no complaints
2: that was so much jam-packed yeah
1: that was a lot we're just gonna casually gloss over the bay drop and just go right into the haps we're not even gonna dive into it it's fine. Don't even acknowledge nope. it. Acknowledge what? I don't know what we're talking about.
0: Exactly. Y'all, so anyway, what's been going listen, on? Listen, time out. I
1: have a personal break. haps before we talk about what's happening in the world. Big news. Really? Breaking news, y'all. I cut bangs. Um, <gasps>
0: really? Yeah, it
1: was very exciting. I did it the day before Thanksgiving, and I think I finally we've finally gotten to know each other, the bangs and I, and I think I like them. So they were like... Um, So they're foreheady bangs, you know, they're like a fringe curl forehead bang, but because curly hair does this thing where it shrinks, they're a little longer. So when they're wet, I can't see out of my eyeballs because they're hanging in front of them. But when they dry, they shape my face really nicely. And now I started parting my hair in the middle. So I don't want to say I look just like my stepmom, Tracy, but... the resemblance no. is uncanny
2: we love a homemade diva cut
1: <laughs> Oh, i went to i didn't do it myself oh no i went to a professional oh
2: really really oh yeah, really? yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. i actually
1: got a diva cut and i was like i want bangs and my girl elena hooked it up so shout out to her
2: i still have to do that even though i never my hair is always in a bun or whatever
1: and destructive diva cut I recommend.
0: But despite the most breaking news of your bangs, um, I don't know, lots of things have happened to the point that like some of them, which I I, I don't even, uh, half of that stuff's like, I feel like not even relevant. The last time we did a haps was what, a month ago?
1: Yeah, so much has happened in that month. I feel like we were talking about meat, so I feel like my natural transition would be to talk about PETA for like three seconds because they are doing the absolute most. That's all they deserve,
0: three seconds. Yeah,
1: PETA relax. I get it. Everyone loves a cuddly animal, but let's put things into perspective.
2: See, as the resident vegetarian, (laughs) I would just like to say that like, I don't think that using terms like grabbing a bull by the horns is really uh, truly oppressive to bulls. One, because I don't know any bulls. And two, because it's just a euphemism, (laughs) but this whole, the whole thing, I'm just like, I like, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm all for animal rights, even though personally I'm a vegetarian for like health reasons, it's just like, I don't know. I'm like, I, I respect the effort, I guess, but I'm more in favor of the uses of language and like how it affects people when they're people who speak my language, not like birds who speak what tweet, I don't know, like,
0: you know, that's just, like, I feel you, that's my, that's already more than, than the three seconds that it needed. So like, for <laughs> one out, um, keep it pushing. Uh, I just have been standing and will continue to stand the thank you next video, which happened. Uh, and Ariana really was breaking all sorts of like Vivo records and YouTube records, which like, I don't know anything about any of that, but I just really enjoyed the flick. If you haven't seen it, the, the short music video spectacle, um, draws inspiration from four like iconic 2000 Z films. So it's like mean girls, bring it on, um, 13 going on 30. And what's the other one? I'm legally Blonde. Um, and she like really looks great. First of all, in that, like Regina George wig, um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm about it. Other feelings? Anybody else moved?
1: I liked it. Um, Yeah, I really liked it. I think Ariana has grown on me. I was a little stressed because someone was like, did Ariana look 15 shades darker than normal in that video? And like, there was this whole black fishing thing happening online for like the last three weeks. I was like, "Ooh, girl, I hope that's a tan, but you know? I'm just going to give her the benefit of the doubt. We already said this. Ariana's had a tough life. So I loved it. Like the song. Do not understand the video in the context of the song, but I was still into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, I actually heard that from other people like, well, wait, what's the point? But I just kind of saw it as like, it's just was a fun homage to like all these things. Oh, yeah. so, the burn
1: book made sense. I'm about it. The burn it. book was my favorite part.
0: Oh, yeah. I like the part where she... What did she say about Big Big Sean? She was like, could, could still get it. Could still get it, it. In parentheses. Which is true.
2: Didn't she also say it has a huge pee? No, that's
1: Pete.
0: About Pete or something? Yeah.
1: She's like, sorry I dipped.
0: Um, Other things that are happening. What else? Like... People, well, classic France, um, but like a little more extreme France than usual. Like they don't usually like straight up ride and stuff, but they are known for striking and all sorts of things. Le greve, as we call it, en français. But uh, yeah, so Paris is like doing the absolute most and their current president Macron. uh, People are like not feeling the most uh, favorable towards him currently. Um, I don't really honestly claim to know that much more about it other than I think it has to do with like some rising taxes, particularly on fuels, um, which, you know, impacts a lot of people if they maybe commute for work or like driving is a large part of their like, uh, what livelihood or things like that. And just people don't really like paying a lot for gas in general, but you know, fuck, uh, oil and all that anyway, maybe we should just all be greener, but you know, interesting things in the international stage. Hot takes.
2: I'm so glad you, like, had your France study abroad experience, because now you're, like, informed. Like, I know you still are tight with host fam, and I'm sure they're posting all types of things about it.
0: Whew. You know, if that's what we're going to call informed, I'll take it. Because, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you
2: knew more about it than
1: I did, so You pronounced everything just- with the correct accent, so... Other things. Um, our lord... And savior, my Lord and Savior, let me not speak for everyone. Jesus H. Christ has freed a sister known by the name as, of Belcalis Almanazar from the shackles of offset. Our girl Cardi B is free. She has released a photo of her baby culture who looks suck so Um, but like you know, thank God. Because Cardi B, I always forget, is our age. And imagine if one of us was not only married but to like the worst person in the entire world. And we had their child.
2: (laughs) I love um, the response that he gave. uh, Quote, y'all won.
1: (laughs) Hello, sir, were we paying you week after week to go cheat on this girl?
2: Because I don't remember making that Venmo charge. Oh, see, there. But I'm just like, can we you got caught do you want to take a a little bit of responsibility for your actions like it's the media didn't make you cheat they just caught you in the act but like leave it to niggas you feel me so
1: yeah so shout out to Cardi
0: I like hold on can I just my last add on to that is I like the response from I guess the the person that he was cheating with she was just like oh you married married I think was like
1: yes (laughs) Yes. she was like I didn't know their marriage was that serious (laughs) serious I mean, honestly, girl, I feel you, but also,
0: shh,
2: shh, quiet.
0: <laughs> that's, that's glorious. Um, Tumblr, uh. oh my heart. So if you all haven't heard, or if you just don't even know what Tumblr is, then you're probably just like a more wholesome person than the rest of us. But, um, basically Tumblr, which is, uh, a pretty... Large social media platform, not like quite on the mainstream of like Facebook and things like. I don't think you have quite as many like grandmas and old relatives on Tumblr, but they announced that they're going to be removing all like NSFW content. Um, so anything containing nudity or female presenting nipples, as they put it. What Um, is a female presenting? I don't understand.
2: Is it attached to a boob?
1: But it's so stupid. Um we obviously don't have to get into this because there's just like obviously uh, this is a very big business deal like for a couple of years ago Tumblr was bought out by Yahoo. And so the people at Yahoo are probably like, "Um, listen. I don't know if you all know this. Tumblr is not in the App Store on the iPhone because a long time ago they someone like found child porn on there and then Apple is like, "Uh-uh, we don't mess with that." And they took Tumblr off, which is like basically bleeding money, which I totally get. The fact that there's child porn on Tumblr is Terrible. Filter that shit, get people off of that. Yes, 100% agree. But why, you know, this is like making mounds out of anthills. What is that saying?
0: Mounds out of hills. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I think the other stuff that I read about is that it's also like, you know, it's going to be impacting a lot of people who use that as like a platform for other like expression and things that maybe involve like nudity or like sex work or even just like. I don't know people just expressing like another side or having like a place in community, which was what I think a lot of people did use Tumblr for. Um, So like a lot of things that are perfectly fine and outside the realm of like the shittiness and like the terrible, like child pornography stuff is going to be impacted by that. So it just, it it sucks for anybody who was really like benefiting or using it for, you know, those other reasons that were just them expressing themselves. Or
1: for people who like are up in the middle of the night and just want to look at butts.
2: Like, I feel personally victimized by this uh, decision. Honestly. I guess the one point that someone like that I thought was semi-valid that someone made was that like Tumblr is not the end all be all for like porn or nudes or like semi, you know, not X rated, but R rated content. It's like there are 5000 other places that people can go. And I guess if this is the business decision they made to, or they decided to make like. Yeah, it's probably gonna affect them negatively. And like, you could also just like do a better job of screening for child pornography. Like, you know, like that's a thing too, but also like it doesn't necessarily have to affect anyone's like livelihood. Like there are 7,000 other, you know, dimly lit corners of the internet.
1: Yeah, but it's different where it's like, you know, Tumblr, I don't know if you all tumble. I don't know if it's called tumbling, I call it tumbling. It's like very like you can customize your dash, you know, you can like follow certain tags or whatever. Like, I don't know if you can do that on Pornhub. I've never been, but I hear it puts a lot of pop-ups and stuff on your computer. Tumblr never did that to me. So.
2: Maybe I need to design an app. Maybe I need You to, do. You know. Use those skills. That <laughs> I, seriously, I mean, like, not to like, you know, in all honesty, I could. <laughs> the demand is there. But. Apparently, thanks, Tumblr, for opening a window.
1: Other things in the world of entertainment. It is uh, award season, which is like my favorite time of year. You know, F the holidays. I love award season. Golden Globe noms just came out. Um, A lot of mediocre things were nominated, but my girl, Sandra, got a nomination for Killing (laughs) Eve, which I'm fingers crossed, hoping she'll get that.
0: I don't know who else was nominated. I literally didn't look at it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that show Barry by Bill Hader got a lot of whatever nominations. Um, I really like the show The Marvelous Miss Maisel, which is like on Amazon. So Rachel Brasnahan, who's the star, got nominated as well as the show. So it's it's like a mixed bag of things. Emmy nominations also came out, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And I think um, if I'm not wrong, either, I don't know if it was Emmy. No, it was still the Golden Globes. Black Panther has been nominated for a lot of stuff too. So basically, it's award season. The things are happening. Um, Sandra O oh is hosting the Golden Globes with Andy Sandberg. So, really, Sandra O oh is hosting the Golden Globes, and I'm really excited about that. But <sighs> Kevin Hart is hosting the Oscars, and I hate
0: it. Speak. Yeah. Speak celebrity. your truth.
1: Okay. So we're going to gloss over the fact that Kevin Hart and his wife threw their one-year-old a racist birthday party. You know, people have talked about it. He keeps talking about it and digging
2: himself deeper into this hole. Yeah, cowboys and the fact that it's even called cowboys and Indians, like the name in and of itself is racist, but like, you weeble, know, pers-
1: give the kid a weeble wobble party. He would not know the difference. That's not neither here nor there. Like Kevin Hart, I feel like just meanders to like the worst parts of, I don't know. He was really funny to me. Do y'all remember when Kevin Hart performed at UMD? That was like peak Kevin Hart. He was like so funny. He Some people yeah. knew him. Not a lot of people did. Like soul playing Kevin Hart it was like peak Kevin Hart. And then he just started taking every single role that was offered to him. And I get it, man. Make your money. You have three kids. You need to like secure all their futures. You want them all to go to college, be successful, whatever. But he is just so Annoying to me now he's just everywhere and I don't think he's funny anymore So I think having to sit there and watch him host the oscars is going to like the oscars already are because yeah, but I think just adding kevin hart to the mix makes me mad Still gonna
2: watch them people have made the point before that like kevin hart is only as popular as he is because He has there isn't really the same um, like kind of market or the same competition amongst black comedians that there was back in the day like you know Oh yeah there, like there if we're
1: talking like kings of comedy time there that's not
2: here anymore right but yeah i mean i guess i'm neither here nor there in the fact that he's hosting i probably wouldn't watch it anyway
0: retweet um i think the only other soups notable thing oh well like um the, the uh i was gonna say a certain spectacular wedding. But then I remember that there was also, like, a presidential death, um, RIP. Uh, to be honest, I don't know shit about history things in that regard, um, and I think I've heard on both sides that some people thought he was real cool, some people he was, like, mad problematic, most likely, like, every fucking president. So I don't know if y'all know more about it. Nah, uh,
2: H.W. was, like, particularly problematic. Um, he defunded AIDS research, which uh as we all know it was pretty a pretty you know shitty thing to do in the midst of the aids crisis so tons of lgbtq you know plus peeps back in the day died <laughs> not directly as a result but you know kind of as a byproduct of his um oh, I, I wouldn't say maybe not hatred ignorance well you know somewhere in that realm of shitty things that people are um I mean, and then his obvious like racism and continuation of the war on drugs, he was the first kind of president to start the colonization of Iraq and um, commodification of oil, like in that area. So he did a lot of like really, really shitty things. Um, Personally speaking, like, you know, I won't endorse this view as like from the podcast as a whole, but you know, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry that your family is mourning and that, you know, you're dead and whatnot. But like, you know, bye. See ya.
1: Yeah. Retweet. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, the Bushes and the Bin Ladens are good friends. So that's that on that.
0: <laughs> anyway, on a positive note, uh, Nick, Joan, well, positive or negative, depending on how you look at it dick jonas and priyanka Chopra got married and it looked really beautiful in those pictures um and just everything else about it was beautiful that's, we that's stand it.
1: in irl schmidt and cc thank you good night
2: yeah it was pretty dope but um i guess i'm <laughs> uh and again, I'm still waiting for like the day where we uh chop all of our on that notes together. But on that note, <laughs> we'll take a quick break.
0: Yay! That was a drum roll. Um, we're back and we're just gonna hop right into it. I am super duper excited. We have a, another fabulous guest this week, uh, somebody near and dear to my heart. Um, known each other since skill days, previous roommates, current navies, which is short for neighbors. <laughs> Sam or Siri, come on down.
3: Ah. Hi! Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited, excited to be on your podcast.
0: We're so excited to have you. So, I know you, Sam. Um, Aj and Maya, you've both met Sam a handful of times, but if you don't mind, just to start things off, do you want to just, like, introduce yourself? Like, I don't know, just give us, like, the The Sam Cliff Notes, whatever whatever you care to share.
3: Yeah, so uh, my name is Sam Marsiri. My pronouns are they, them. I am, generally speaking, like broadly, I would say I am a theater artist, a theater educator, and a theater administrator. I'm really dedicated to making queer theater and theater experiences that are accessible and inclusive for uh, students of all abilities and specifically theater experiences for the very young, like ages one through five.
1: Oh my god, yes. little nugget theater. <laughs> That's so cute. Yes. <laughs> I'm crying.
3: I love the little nuggets. They're my favorite. <laughs> I regularly cry when I teach
1: I'm them. Crying. They're great. I'm crying <laughs> in the clerk. Yeah. Okay myself together
0: <laughs> basically <laughs> if maya was to be involved in theater education this is exactly Thanks. where she would want to be with okay. the nuggets i feel um, like can
3: someone pass out the scissors we need to get the art project maya can you oh you're crying okay i'll get I'd you in a minute like, oh, thank you
1: i <laughs> just start i <I'd> pull lose
2: it well sam how did you get involved with the theater world like what was your you know entry point what How did the passion begin?
3: Sure. I started acting around age eight. I was in um, a production with my homeschool group. Uh, One of the moms in the homeschool group just like put on – shout out to Miss Carol. She put out like every – she ran chorus. She did um, tons of parties. She did lots of like workshops with us. And she did play most summers. And um, I acted in one when I was eight. There were It was a kind of pastiche production of a lot of different – things we did some parodies of things we did a Star Trek parody in which I played Chekov um 8 years old doing a little doing a little russian accent uh and i was hooked and so i started doing community theater i acted in a few pro- professional things as a kid um and then pursued it more seriously. Once I got to college, I started taking classes at community college, taking acting classes and participating in productions there um, throughout high school, because I could do that since, since I was since I was homeschooled. And then yeah, went to college to ideally become an actor, and then switched more into directing and playwriting. That was more appealing to me. I was really interested in having more of a hand in the process um, of the creating rather just and interpreting, I've really found more of a voice and more of a hand in the larger picture of a production with directing and writing. So I started doing that um, in college. Made connections through there. I um, I went to University Whoops. of Maryland. Yay, like, uh, many Terps. of you go Terps. <laughs> um, and yeah, I did a lot of um, self-producing, uh, just collaborating with my friends there. After college, I assistant directed in a few shows, um, and just. Yeah, I was really into making and developing new work uh, by other up-and-coming theater artists.
1: So as someone who sort of self-describes as like a creator and a writer, where do you think you draw a lot of your, or where would you say you draw a lot of your inspiration from?
3: I would say that in most of my plays, there is at least one character that's really kind of just me. Um, (laughs) And I'm really inspired by the... Questions that I ask myself about identity on a regular basis. I'm inspired by um, difficult questions I don't know the answers to. Um, I'm inspired by uh, issues that I want to work out in my own life. Um, I'm inspired by the non binary people and queer people that I see around me and want to reflect in my Mm -hmm. art and want to give opportunities to, you know, not just uh, for me as a writer, but as, you know, I'm seeing my friend over there and they're an incredibly talented actor and I want them to be able to have a role that kind of reflects the nuances of them as a queer person. So write a role that's, you know, built for them. It's not necessarily them themselves, because that's also kind of boring. We don't always want to play ourselves, but playing someone who can, you know, give you a range that you wouldn't normally have in other roles that aren't written
2: with you
0: in mind. Gotcha. Yes. Creating work like for all those people that maybe we don't see represented like a ton or exactly. at all, yes. um, quite frankly. Doing um, the Lord's so work, as they I know say. know that you talked a little bit about like yes.
3: The Lord with an E at yes. the end.
0: Uh, <laughs> yes. That Lord. Melodrama. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically. Um, but I guess, so creating a lot of work for um, queer folks, for people who um, are identifying as non-binary or other maybe gender non-conforming identities. For you, just because I know we've talked about this like a handful of times, but I always am, I don't know, really intrigued. And I love sharing and hearing like other people's story who kind of fall under the various umbrellas that is queerness. I guess what was, um, I guess the journey like for you, if you don't mind indulging us a little bit of like, that discovery because I know for everybody it is a little bit different of course um whether that's like the exploration and coming to identify as non non non-binary
3: yeah sure so I came out uh as like three different things before getting to this point I've been out as kind of generally queer for about um I think we're going on 11 years now. Yeah, it's been a long time. And I was really, uh, like media and representation was really what kind of drove me to discover more of who i am as specifically like as a bisexual person um seeing things on logo waiting until my parents were out of the house and using that like previous channel button on the remote you know so you like load up logo and you're watching it and you also load up um nickelodeon and so you're like watching logo as soon as you hear the car come you're previous channeling it
1: i
0: love it (laughs) yes Uh (laughs) uh-huh i honestly like that was it's so relatable i bet like literally any like person who identifies anywhere on like the lgbt spectrum anywhere on like the gender non conforming spectrum could like probably relate to that because that is so familiar to me just that specific feeling
3: yeah i mean that's how i came out to my mom not to center my like okay here's so, a bit of a tangent but like in when we're talking about queer experiences i feel like we always talk about coming out which inherently centers the straight experience because like Queer people have lived with our queerness for a certain amount of time. And yes, you are welcoming other people who did not know into that world of you and into that part of you. Um, but I don't I don't just want to talk about coming out, but it is a fun story that the thing that I was so reliant on for helping discover myself, you know, watching, but I'm a cheerleader on Logo, watching um, Better Than Chocolate, watching Imagine Me and You and all of these movies, um, you know... Mm-hmm. That that thing that really helped me discover myself also fucked me over in the end. <laughs> I forgot to. I was watching a, I was watching a special on lesbian stand up comedians. Uh, and forgot to hit previous channel. And yeah, truly great, good, good job, baby, game Sam. Um, yeah, my mom saw it and was like, uh, hey, uh, just wondering, you know, if you uh, while you're watching this, if you have any questions, I was like, oh, uh, just uh, looked interesting. and then immediately like went up and called my best friend was like I'm about to come out to my mom and then did and it was weird and whatever but it worked out for the best I think also 14 year old me was very much assuming that it was much worse than it was and that my mom wasn't reacting well and that was going to be bad you know I think when you especially when you're young not to invalidate the feelings of the young but like when you have a certain idea in mind of like how things will go that can color, how you feel that they actually go. Um, but yeah, so I, I identified then as a lesbian for years, like from probably age 14 through mid college. Um, and then dated a man was like, you know what? I think I was right. Originally I'm definitely (laughs) bi. (laughs) Um, But I had to read a 300-page long book called "Buy Notes for a Buy Revolution to get there. It's a great book, would recommend. Um, And then just, like, started questioning more about gender um, as I met more trans people and more non-binary people and learned about what the scope of gender could be. Like, I remember thinking for a long time as, like, a hard – as, like – um, a feminist who really believed in feminism but also like did not understand gender as an actual thing, just understood it as like structural and hierarchical. I remember thinking like well, I think I have to identify as a woman because I the world sees me as a woman and I experience the discrimination and um, the experiences of a, what moving through the world as a woman. so I will identify as a woman and then later went, oh, no, the world seeing me as a woman is different than how I actually have to feel. Um, the world can see me as one thing and I can still feel in my heart and my body and my soul and know that I'm not that thing. Um, so reconciling with that has really been a major part. Um, it's been an inspiration for some of my plays. Um, also one of those big questions that I've been like writing out. Um, yeah. So that conflict has always been at the center of, things, you know, how the world sees me, who I actually am.
2: I guess I'm sorry. And I got stuck kind of, I guess, at the point where you were saying how you had to kind of come out to your mom. And when, before you were saying that you were homeschooled and maybe this is me stereotyping people who decide to homeschool their kids, but like, were you concerned, like, are your parents particularly like religious or were you concerned because like for any particular reason, or was it just like the general anxiety around coming out in a society that's not always accepting of people who identify as anything other than, like, cis and straight?
3: Yeah, good question. So my – some people do homeschool for religious reasons, for sure. Um, My homeschooling experience and most of my friends in my homeschooling group, um, I actually belong to a bunch of different homeschooling groups. uh, But my main community friends were all very much, like, agnostic, atheist, pretty secular. I always say that I grew up agnostic, which isn't really a thing, but my parents were very – not, yeah, we didn't go to church. They're not religious. Um, but my parents on my dad's side are, um, they're Catholic. Um, but my parents are generally, I mean, I would say now I have a much better understanding of their political stances, which are pretty progressive, especially my mom. Um, but as a kid, I'm realizing now as an adult that they were very set on letting me kind of figure out things for myself. Like they wanted to make sure that, you know, I was raised to be compassionate and to be a critical thinker, um, and to examine things from all sides, but that they didn't really want to put certain, pers- you know, certain political beliefs on me. I think that they really wanted me to kind of come to what I was going to come to on my own and just hope that, you know, the values that they instilled in me would work out, but they're very liberal and, pro- and progressive. So I just definitely didn't really have a clear sense of how they would react. I. Knew that they had had gay friends, you know, um, in, you know, various aspects, various times in their lives and that they were generally pro-gay. But you just don't really know how it's going to go when it's you. Um, And I just didn't have a clear perspective on what they believed And if they would believe me, I was very concerned that they wouldn't believe me, which I will say my mom at first was like, well, you know, it could be a phase. You never know. Um, But here I am 11 years later. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Yeah, pretty sure, my bud. I mean, sometimes I'm still like, am I? Do I actually like women? And I'm like, yes, Sam, (laughs) you do so much. You're fine.
2: (laughs) You're very, very bisexual. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool.
0: Yeah, no, I think that also that feeling of like, even if in your heart or in your head or whatever, you can imagine and feel like or have the inkling like this will be fine doesn't make it easier necessarily. Yeah. Just because like on paper, it should be great. I mean, like, I always am so amazed when I hear people who have come out really like in any way at such, or what I consider to be, like, a pretty young age, like, in their teens and things like that, or even younger in some cases, because for me, it wasn't until 20 or 21, and even that was just, like, (laughs) 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 Um, but, I mean, definitely fortunate that it sounds like you and I both had, like, pretty, like, positive experiences around that, Um, so, you know, I'm always, like, grateful for that, but it's always, I, I, I just really enjoy hearing that, like, piece from other people, even though, you know, sometimes it's, like, oh, yeah, the cliche thing to, like, talk about or whatever. But I think still it's always unique from, like, person to person. Totally. Um,
3: And once I came out as – I came out as bi at, like, 20 to my mom, she wrote me this cute little note. She she gives me these little – cards every now and then they're just have a cute design on them and it's like i'm happy to have you in my life mom and this one said like i'm so happy to have a front row seat to the ever-changing evolution that is sam (laughs) so truly the most supportive mom i can ask for excellent parenting oh my gosh I love her, and she's also so on my pronouns. My dad messes up all the time. <laughs> He's getting much better though, but he always like when he tell when he does use my pronouns correctly, he'll look at me like I did uh, it, yeah, uh, <laughs> like for approval. One time, uh, I was alone in my kitchen, and my dad comes upstairs and looks at me and goes, "Hey,
2: y'all," and you are like, "Thanks for not using guys, Dad."
3: Yeah, I was like, I was like, um, "Dad, you is." already singular and already gender neutral. And he goes Oh He's just trying really hard. Uh, He's trying so hard. He doesn't understand that it's not plural.
0: This is like I need that to be in a sitcom with like a precious lovable like Non-binary, like teen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just oh, saying,
3: that we have a creative of mine
0: sitting
1: here right now, so this sitcom could become a reality.
0: Yeah. So basically, Maya, once your like intense production company is off the ground, we know Pitch where me. to like where to get like Sam's yeah screenplay or whatever you call that sort of stuff. Is it a screenplay no. it for a show? I don't know. <laughs> screenplay. Um, an-
1: I'll, I'll just send you a pilot. Yeah, yeah, I'll send, send, send you a pilot. me some, some sides. We'll definitely read it over. Yeah. It's, it'll be great. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, into it, so I actually want to on that. Oh God, damn it! Uh, I was gonna it. say on that note, <laughs> and I said it anyway. <laughs> so <laughs> segue. Um, we'd be talking about you know pilots and things like that and work and things. I kind of want to because I always I think this is really interesting. So all four of us went to University of Maryland College Park. We um, all did our little like degree things. Um, shout out to that, and then kind of took that in various directions. Um, When Sam and I actually were living together for the last couple of years prior to making our moves to Chi town, um, Sam for the most part was working kind of like, and you can probably explain this more than I was just like a variety of different like part-time jobs um, rather than maybe what some people see as like the more typical path after college of like um, my full-time, like nine to five. Um, And I always thought that was like super fascinating the way that like, your schedule and you were just like in and out at different times and you were doing a lot of things and those like a couple of years like right after college so you want to like break down for us just a couple of the different like experiences you had and like places you were working and things like that
3: sure so i uh was a freelance theater artist well okay freelance theater artist and theater educator primarily um so i split my time uh between several different teaching gigs at several different theaters and organizations. Um, some in DC, some in Bethesda, Maryland, um, working with a wide variety of populations of students, some, um, like satellite programs in public schools, um, from imagination, like through imagination stage, um, the children's theater that I worked at primarily. Um, so I was doing a lot of, I would, I think, Let's see, I was teaching preschool music classes. I think when I broke it down, I was teaching and assisting uh, and inclusion facilitating, which is supporting students with, um, like, supporting diverse learners in the classroom um, in theater classes. When I broke it down, I was doing maybe, like... 15 classes a week total now some of those are like an hour long some of those are like a half hour but it was a lot of like going back and forth and traveling here traveling there and to supplement that i did a lot of patron services kind of things so like house managing for shows working in box offices working working reception um and so doing a lot of those which had a very uh varied and flexible schedule that um also, you know, supplemented my time for writing and my time directing projects and producing. Um, I really liked having consistency from week to week, but having my days very different. I really liked seeing different mm-hmm. students every day. I liked, um, you know, coming home in the middle, like getting out, teaching three classes first thing in the morning, coming home for a few hours, like just cooking and like watching TV in the middle of the day and then going out and doing two or three more classes. Um, yeah, it was, I really, really loved it. And I got to the point where I, like by my third year of freelancing, I was so good at organizing my schedule. I knew exactly what I needed to do when to like make the most money for my time and be able to have time for rehearsals and be able to schedule around things. Um, yeah. And so it's very different than my job now where I'm working full time at a theater, um, which is, almost entirely admin. Um, it's a great job. I'm working at Goodman theater and here in Chicago, good old Goodman theater is the largest and oldest nonprofit theater in Chicago. And they make really, really cool work. Um, lots of new plays, lots of, um, uh, just like great development of new plays and Pulitzer prize winning plays and plays made from Chicago. It's great. Um, And I work in the education department there, bringing uh, students from our partnering schools all across uh, Chicago in CPS into the theater and giving their teachers professional development and arts integration, uh, which is wonderful. And I'm working with such a diverse population of students Very different than a lot of the populations I was working with in Bethesda, Maryland, which is a very, very economically privileged area. Um, And bringing students into the theater often for their first time uh, and giving their teachers the tools to use the plays that we're producing that they're coming to see uh, to bring them back into their classroom and use them, use art to teach everything else. So you can use the plays that we have to teach your science lesson, to teach your math. And there are creative ways to make that all happen and make it interactive and use multiple intelligences, multiple ways of learning um, to really be able to reach a wider
1: variety of students. That's amazing. Oh, I think so. That's so awesome. I, I know. And I kind of, um, I yeah. want to circle back a little bit and you, you talked about this a little, but I'd love to deep uh, dive a little deeper as they say um, and talk about <laughs> the work you did with the youths and um as someone who has been a part of theater for a large chunk of their lives, Brandon, I think you did theater for like ever as a youth, uh, as you like went to an artsy school growing up. I had the privilege of like going to theater camp and then being able to work at that theater camp and then doing a little bit of theater in high school and sort of what role do you see the arts playing in a young person's education, whether they are immersed at one years old or they get into it later in life? Sure. Um-
3: I mean, the arts are just so important. And sometimes I forget exactly why, just because I know inherently and deep in my bones that they are so important. I think the arts give students a sense of success that they need to feel in order to be able to do other things. Like kids are inherently artistic. You have an imagination. You want to pretend to be other things. And that's important to facilitate because when you show kids that they can do these things that they can pretend to be this thing and that you can make it real for them in the world, then you're showing them that they can do other things as well. If that's, you know, inventing something later, if that's helping someone later, if that's writing something. Um, And like, especially when we're talking about the very young, like early childhood students, ages one to five specifically, they really need the arts to be able to learn. Like there's a reason why when you're working with young children, song is so important. You have a song for everything. You have a hello song. You have a goodbye song. Um, You have, you know, things that they're able to latch onto and things that, use multiple ways to teach them. So I'm a huge uh, believer and uh, practitioner of multi-sensory learning and like multi-sensory arts education. Um, so, you know, if the story that I'm exploring in a class with this, the, a group of four and five-year-olds is about the jungle, we're not just going to read the story and then, you know, pretend to be elephants with our bodies. We're going to make the jungle in our classroom. We're going to dim the lights. We're going to put on some jungle uh, noises. We're going to spray them with water and have a rainforest. We're going to give them streamers that are the colors of the jungle and have a sway and pretend we're in the wind and make those sounds. You know, I'll bring along uh, different animals that they can feel. So now they're learning about the jungle in a way that is inherently artistic, that puts them in the role of the jungle. And- is really important, uh, to the development of their senses. Um, I always joke that, uh, I love to spray the children with water in my classes, which it is because I love it because it's very fun to watch their faces when they get sprayed, but also it's really important that they get sprayed with water because that's important for the development of their senses.
0: Um, I think like the other cool thing that I know we talked about this a little bit briefly, but like incorporating arts into those other ways you were mentioning being able to tie arts back to a lot of other Like things that we consider like super important sometimes like more important that we like place above that so we talk about like stem all the time and i really Mm -hmm. like the idea of steam like the a because you can like i mean in music there are patterns there is math in like Mm -hmm. theater there's gonna be like that comprehension like having empathy connecting emotionally to other humans whether that's through characters or just like seeing and hearing other people like act that out so, I mean, if they're starting that at, like, such a tiny age, like, I wish that was something that could be accessible to everyone. Like, oh, that would be, like, genuinely beautiful. Full agree. Absolutely.
3: And, like, I always say when I'm teaching very young students, I'm not trying to teach them. I'm Sure, I would like them to know a little bit more about um, what it, the job of an actor is. I would like them to know some of their actor's tools. So that's body, voice, mind, and imagination. Shout out. Um, I would also, you know, love them to know what the word prop means. Sure. But really what I'm trying to teach them is not anything about a theater, but about themselves and what they're capable of and about each other in the room. I want to teach them to be an ensemble on how to be kind and compassionate humans who are curious about learning and um, see, you know, can imagine... A world and make the world that they're imagining happen
0: i have i guess a question that as it relates to like the younger i guess that younger age group but maybe really any of the age groups that you work with um as it kind of like ties together both you as a theater educator but then someone who and how does your own like identity as a non-binary person like what does that bring to that do you feel that in any ways um you were able or like in any way able to kind of teach lessons about that kind of like Inclusion and maybe like subverting gender in any like even small ways, like in the classroom, like what does that look like, or how do you approach that?
3: You bet. So I'm very, very intentional about the books that I select to um, teach. Um, most of what I did was in creative drama classrooms, was very based on a story. So a new story each week that you read interactively. Um, and then act out in a, a interactive, of course, in multi-sensory way. Um, so I was very, very intentional about the books I chose. I had to make, I personally, no one told me to do this, but I made sure that in the selection of books that there is a certain, uh, breakdown of gender that they're not all boys not and specifically not all young white boys because that's a lot of um children's literature and specifically picture books um that is changing very much so and I have now like a wide variety of books with much more diverse um diverse characters and stories in it in terms of race in terms of ethnicity in terms of ability and gender um but yeah I mean like in my classroom everyone plays every role we are all going to play the king now we're all going to play the princess I also don't really tend to do like you know genres and or like themes that are very gendered inherently like I will always take jungle over like the castle or royal family kind of themes um but if we are doing a princess book you bet we're going to do one where the princess actually has agency or the princess is an actual character those are the kind of books that i will intentionally choose um and in my class not only do we play every role but we play with every color sorry if you're a boy and you got a pink scarf actually i'm not sorry maybe i did it on purpose and everyone can play with any color that they want that's always something that we all uh, you know make sure that we do um and there's one book in particular uh where the there's like this kid in it but the kid is never named and the kid doesn't have any pronoun the book is set up that there's like a narrator who's talking to the kid throughout the whole book so the kid is always referred to like as you but is never gendered and has like a quote 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 quote, androgynous kind of look so I just use they, them pronouns for the character whenever we're talking about it in the drama exercise. If there's ever an animal that we don't know the pronouns, sometimes I'll use she, sometimes I'll use they. So I'm not always calling him Mr. Giraffe, etc., which is what we tend to do with things. When we don't know, we will say he, him. Yeah, exactly. There's sneaky ways that I do that.
0: No, that's like super. I mean, I think that's really cool and important to be intentional about those things. Um, especially at a time where, I mean, you're developing attitudes and ideas that are going to probably like influence and impact how you think and feel about other groups of people different from yourself Mm -hmm. for like the rest of your life.
3: And I also want kids to see everything normalizes it. Yeah. I want kids to see everything as a possibility. Not only there are people out there like this, but I can be this. I see something that appeals to me. Or not, and that's okay. Um, and I could be it if I want to, or if I am. Oh, I, I love, love
1: that.
0: that. Oh, Te-
3: jinx. We love
0: a lot of things. Love it. <laughs> We're basically Paris Hilton, like for everything that Sam does. We're the, just the, the gif, the gif that says, Love it. Love that.
1: <laughs> well, I have one final question, Sam. I guess looking forward to the future. Uh, what are your like long-term goals, plans, dreams, ambitions, whether it's to stay in the theater world or like become a NASCAR driver, sort of what do you envision for yourself? Yikes. Um, (laughs)
3: like I definitely, uh, I want to keep writing and directing. I would like to get produced on a bigger scale. Um, I kind of, I, I feel like maybe eventually, maybe, I don't know. I'm very interested in writing for TV. I'm really interested in a different scale of things. I'm really interested in writing with a room of writers. Um, theater has so many problems when it comes to access. It's very expensive. It's expensive to make. It's expensive to see. It doesn't have to be, but that's, how a lot of it is right now and there are lots of theater movements that are really combating that who know that theater your theater is not revolutionary if it is not uh free or if it is not um accessible to everyone um and I agree with that and I'm also curious about what kind of models we can look at for that um but also because of that I'm interested in what happens if not just these people who live in this city and can afford it and can make it out on this day can see your show? But what if anyone who has access to the internet uh, and is interested in your show can watch it and you can, you know, represent the stories that you want to represent on a wider scale? Um, but ultimately, I mean, I will say I think it's kind of hard for me to see my future... I mean, no one can see their future, but it's hard as a non-binary person specifically because there are so few examples of non-binary people of an older generation. Um, They exist. I just read a great book by Kate Bornstein, who is a performance artist and author and activist, trans activist. Um, She uses she, her pronouns, um, and identifies as non-binary. And uh, she's amazing. And it's really cool to see her journey, but also she was growing up at a different time than I am. Um, so there are ways in which it's hard to, for me to see my future as a full picture, but I can focus on the career I want to have and what I want to do, uh, in terms of my art, I think a little bit more clearly.
0: What are your recommendations? If anybody's curious about like, well, where can I maybe like learn a little bit more or look to support, um, whether that's like queer artists like non-binary folks like just expanding their own like I don't know knowledge of the art they're taking in the media they're taking in that can be in any form music plays tv small books of poetry like whatever yeah. what comes to mind for you like what are some of your favorites or things that you want to plug
3: sure um so I will say the amount of art by trans people generally, but specifically by non-binary people is pretty limited in terms of, you know, more mainstream things. Um, I will say that I love the work of, um, there are a few like poets and writers and activists that I really like, um, specifically Alok Vaid-Menon, Menon, who is a, po- a poet, um, they, they were part of this amazing um, po- poetic duo that I'm blanking on the name of right now, but they are very great. They're always challenging my ideas about queerness in relation to colonialism and like uh, Western influence on gender and just like fascinating stuff. They're very, very smart. Their name is Alok Vaidmanan. Um, I would also recommend uh, Jacob Tobia, They're a great um, writer and activist. Um, Jeffrey Marsh, who's really well known for their their vines that are just like positive. They're always wearing beautiful makeup and they have the softest voice and they just give you positivity every time that you listen to them. They're really great. Um, And then I also love, uh, let's see. Oh, their name is Archie Bongiovanni. They're a cartoonist. And they um, have this long-running comic on one of my favorite websites of all time, Autostraddle, which is made for um, queer women. Their tagline is like queer is like girl-on-girl culture, news and entertainment. But they are, especially in recent years, like really expansive and inclusive of um, trans women, non-binary folks, like anyone who really identifies with that culture yes that's a variety of different resources and different mediums that i'm obsessed with i am obsessed with queer media and following uh queer representation i've been obsessed with it for so so long and every time there's a new thing i just like have to gobble it up it's
0: great so you've you heard it here first y'all many different things to check out and explore um, if you're looking for further reading further listening further just like good things out there i love it With all this loving, we are going to take a little old uh, breaky, BRB, mwah.
1: And we are back like crack. Just kidding. Crack is whack. Have a snack instead. Okay, we're back. Um, And it is my second favorite part of the show our bi-weekly dose of male objectification. And I think, as you have the honor this week. So who is on the
2: chopping block? Yes. Okay, so y'all know how I love a controversial ass. And not controversial in that they are, you know, a problematic fave or anything. I don't usually do problematic faves. It's just Maya seems to, you know, not be in favor of some of my asses. And you know what? To each her own. So, that is fine. Um, but this week, um, okay, so my love for him realistically started because he played for the Giants. And then he just made this such a like seamless transition into uh, talk show host. And I don't know what it is. You know what I think it is? I think it's that I think he would make a great father to my children which is sad and i mean that that's my criteria i guess i don't know or maybe that's maybe that's a great criteria either way michael strahan is my ass this week i wish he would come back to live with kelly because ryan doesn't do it for me but i would i would floss his teeth because gap i'm just saying
1: I'm having the strongest deja vu right now. Have we had this conversation before? I don't think so. Okay. Have I picked him before? No, No. I just looked at the list and you haven't picked him, but I don't know. Okay, this is how I know my powers are coming in. I've seen this exact (laughs) same conversation occur. I don't know if it was in a dream or a premonition, but literally down to the Ryan doesn't do it for me, bring him back like we've had this conversation i don't know if it was like in an old episode where you brought him up for some reason or what but Maybe. this conversation has though. been had whoa i'm having a lot of moments right now
2: it's okay let it all let it all flow in
0: honestly I'm i didn't know what his name was but he is so cute like i love a good gap i am such a fan i think like because smiles are so important to me and his is so bright and like and heartwarming, he just
2: is, he's so country. I just
0: love it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> the gap is.
0: Where is back. he from? Is he from the south?
2: I don't know where in the south he's from, but you can hear it. Is uh, he
1: from the south?
2: Let's ask our. Good yeah, and one who. time he had, he had his mom on the show once, and um, you can, I mean, you can just tell like somebody calls her big mama. You feel um, me? he's from Houston,
1: Texas. He must be Beyonce's right, cousin. Yeah.
0: Ooh. <laughs> oh my gosh! I feel like, yeah, he's just like he has a cute little face, and I feel like he could pick me up in his big old arms.
2: He's just Whoa, so wholesome. We've had this conversation. Oh my god! I like being like, held. Yeah, yeah, I dig that too. Being held is lit. i in the fetal position. <laughs> okay, I'm. I'm like having
0: an
1: existential crisis by myself in the basement right now. It's fine. Oh my,
2: do you have I... any thoughts on Michael Strahan as the ass?
1: Um, I have three thoughts. The first is that um, I do like his gap. The gap is back. Um, I think men who can pull off gaps are very handsome. I think that's probably because my dad has a gap and he's the coolest man that I know. <laughs> I think Michael also falls into the realm of, like, Will Smith in my head where, like, I get how they are conventionally handsome, but I'm not attracted to them in a sexual kind of way. But I get that they're hot. Like, I want Will Smith to be my father, but I don't want him to be my (laughs) daddy, you know?
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's people out there that are like, i call you dad, but not zaddy. Wait, but when
2: Janae, real quick, Janae called Brandon uh, hipster granola zaddy in the group chat today, I almost died. Yeah,
3: I me firmly out. agree with that. I firmly agree with that. Okay.
2: You, we everyone. have Sam's endorsement. It's lit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love but, when it's a non-contested ass. Also, you said problematic fave. Was he problematic?
2: Or did you say he's not? I said that my my asses are sometimes contested, though they're not not for being problematic, um, but just like debatably um, hot ll cool j gate of early okay but i still <laughs> it's fine. No, whatever it's fine we're not gonna talk about it <laughs> well um sam as i think we might have mentioned earlier um a lot of times or not a lot of times uh since we've been doing this second season where we've been having our guests on the show and you know giving them the mic and all that uh is there a song that has been on your spirit Uh, a bop as we like to call it that you would like to share with the audience
3: i love the question has a bop been on your spirit because i (laughs) i fully feel like this bop has been on my spirit just over the past maybe three full weeks uh so my bop is called pussy is god by Mm, king princess
2: there it is y'all
3: wow. it's totally been on my spirit so king princess has never
1: been spoken
3: <laughs> so king princess is a genderqueer pop artist who's like 19 she's dating amandla stenberg another like queer yes. pop wow, young icon i love amandla stenberg so much and yeah so the two of them like wrote this song together called pussy is god and it's just like indie pop, like, little soulful, like, sexy-ass song that I never... I I don't think I've felt more gay than when I've been listening to the song and just, like, walking around. (laughs) I also feel like an asshole singing it, because I'm like, yeah, your pussy is God. And, like, that's maybe a little too much for me. But it's a great song. I would highly recommend giving it a listen, just jamming out to it.
0: I'm excited. And uh, everyone out there, we're actually going to give it a listen Right now, so here is Pussy is God. Your Pussy is God, or just Pussy is God? Pussy is God. Pussy is God by King Princess. Your Pussy is
2: God, and I love it. Gonna kiss me real hard, make me want it. I
1: think star signs mean nothing. But I know you feel right, so I'm coming. Um, they're the most adorable little couple that I've ever seen in my entire life, only because they are both serving me like chic youth looks. I don't know where this photo set that I'm looking. Oh, it's from the VMAs. Okay. They look great. I am into it very much. So, and by they mean Amanda and King, King Princess. King? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm blanking
3: on... Her actual name, but. I think it's Michaela yes.
1: according to Google. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
3: Michaela Strauss. Killing it. Yes.
0: Oh, I have seen pictures of them before together. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're super
3: cute. Cool.
0: I'm mm-hmm. hip.
3: <laughs>
0: I'm gay and hip.
3: Honestly, I gotta say, now that Tumblr is going to change, I don't think I'm going to be as hip because I rely on Tumblr for a combination. Of porn and staying relevant. And I don't think I'm going to be as relevant or hip to what the kids are putting down nowadays.
1: That's uh, so real. Tumblr better? just serves so many truths. Like, there are so Is many it- things you can find on Tumblr that, like, Tumblr, I think, knows who killed John Benet Ramsey and where the Zodiac Killer and Tupac are. But, like, Twitter doesn't know. Facebook doesn't know. Tumblr does. 100%.
2: Okay well
0: that's that on that
2: <laughs> with tumblr
0: in Listen, mind i've been listening <laughs> to is... a
1: lot of true crime podcasts and they've gone down like a very dark true crime hole so a oh, lot of dark things her. are happening and i think yeah i think tumblr is a dangerous but also amazing place and now i'm obsessed with the john bennett ramsey murder case again so i'm gonna solve it in my past in my my free time
2: oh my gosh Anyways,
1: I'm- so I think the show is over now. <laughs> so many things are <laughs> happening to me, everyone. I'm having an existential crisis. It's fine. It's what your mid twenties are for. But I think the show is over, so I'm gonna stop talking and let
2: Aj do her thing. Good night. Okay. Well, friends, I think Tumblr is the one place you can't find us. Maybe we should fix that. Um, but this has been another rousing episode of Diet Starts Monday. You can find us on the Twitters, the Instagrams at DSM Pod, Facebook at Diet Starts Monday Podcast. Give us a like, give us a, a, what's it called? A rating on the Apple podcasts. Um, Just tell people good things. We have a hater. um, So just like kind of like put so many good things out there that her little, you know, like comment gets pushed to the end but like thanks for being a hater because that kind of legitimizes our podcast so shout out to you Hannah (sighs) the Beth or something like that
1: (laughs) I tried to find that person online I tried to find them I'm printing that (laughs) comment out on a shirt and I'm gonna wear it to our first podcast convention that we ever go to when we win an award
2: (laughs) well thanks everyone uh, for listening and I'm Aj
0: I'm Maya and I'm Brandon.
2: And our Diet Starts Monday. See you then.
0: Bye. This week's episode of Diet Starts Monday was produced and edited by Maya Dawit. Our theme song was written and performed by Brandon Schatt. You can find episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DSM Pod or on Facebook at Diet Starts Monday Podcast.
1: Goodbye.